This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known guests about their lives, their careers, and navigating and negotiating those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Perry Phillips, your resident host, along with the other resident host, Jimmy Davey. Hello, Davey. Davey. <laughs> yeah, I've totally changed your name. It's Jimmy Davey. <laughs> Do you know that happened to me once? Did I tell you when I went on, um, I was on Football Focus once at a Palace game. I think it was Football Focus before before a game at Celeste. Oh, so a big moment and of fame. Big moment of fame, Football Focus. And I did like a live thing with a reporter or something, chatting about the game. And they put my name on the screen as Jim Davey. <laughs> <laughs> I got so many messages. Oh, man, oh, it's Jim the, Davey. Yeah. Oh, it's the Mike Wazowski moment, isn't it? You know, where, yeah. Uh, yeah. look, we're on the front cover of the magazine and he's got like a barcode over his face. <laughs> and then I did a thing for, for football, uh, BBC London about a few months later and they spelt my name as Jim. They put Jim Daly this time, but put an E in Daly. Oh. And then I think I did something for some match today or something a year later and they finally spelt my name right so third time third time last mate time. i've had my name spelt pretty much wrong in every article i've ever <laughs> been in this is why i haven't got instagram verification <laughs> <laughs> but yeah to be fair you've you're you how many letters are in yours there's oh fair so many letters so many there's, there's four letters in my last name yeah i know mate i know yeah they should get it right get it right yeah never mind at least they never haven't put d-a-i-l what like no, that's happened. No, that has happened a number of times. I don't. You probably had this where you go to like a um, you go to um somewhere to do something. You sign in and they give you a name tag or they give you like a mm. you know a pass a pass. And I'm always the names always wrong and that I's and E's all over the place. Yeah, because I got a slight speech impediment. My my J's, but I can't say my J's, so I become Tim or Kim. I just all sorts. I go with there. that though, man. Like I'd be like. Hi, I'm Kim. Nice I'm, I'm Kim. I'm Kim. I'm Kim Daylight. Kim Davy. <laughs> I'm Kim Davy. Ah, or Davy. Yeah, I think that that's good. I think it's good to have pseudonyms. Kim Davy could be my yeah. Kim Davy is my uh, my alter ego. 
I always like the idea of going to like a big function and just pretending I'm completely someone yeah. else. Someone else, yeah, 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 definitely. What would what would you who what would your name be and what would you what would you do? What would be your well? I, I think I, I went to a big function recently and I thought about doing it and then, but I, I thought I'd really embarrass the person I was with, so I, I didn't do it in the end. But uh, I I was planning to like just say different things to different people. So every time I spoke to someone new, it'd be something, <laughs> something else. So I was going to say well, different like, name and occupation. different name and different occupation. Yeah. So I was I was sort of going to I think one of them was going to think that like I was going to be like a sewage dredger. And right, then, yeah. um, good, good job. Yeah. yeah. And then like an international crime boss. Crime boss. <laughs> yeah. Like, like crime investigator, crime mob boss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mob yeah. Boss. yeah I work. Yeah. I, yeah, I work in uh, organized crime. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I organised the crime. That's what yeah. I do. I'm the organiser. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that like, prison inspector I thought might be quite a good one. Yeah, I just thought, yeah, good idea. Yeah, yeah, great idea. Yeah. The only the, then then you've got to hope that the people you speak to at the party don't talk to each other. Well, that that was would be part of the fun though, because then they'd be like, "Have you seen that bloke? Like, he's an international crime boss." And you'd be like, "Well, he told me he was a." What, the sewage dredger? Yeah. <laughs> what, Steve the sewage dredger? Are you yeah. sure? Oh, he didn't tell me his name was Steve. He must be undercover. You'd add a bit, yeah, yeah, add a bit of, yeah. Or you drop into, a, maybe you drop into a couple of people, you're an, you're an undercover yes. um, cop. You could do a bit of a Dom Jolly, couldn't you, and go up to people and go, ah, oh, the, the seagull is flying <laughs> over. <laughs> the, eagle has, the eagle has landed in the nest. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyway. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. I'm quite cold. I was saying to your mm. fair, and I'm sort of um, we're we're doing this a couple of hours after the interview, and um, obviously it's a very cold. Day. I had to then go and do parent stuff, and then put my daughter to bed, and I fell asleep while doing that, which I often do. And you said you used to do that as well. Mm. And now I'm back in the cabin. It's freezing cold. Uh, when it caused cold earlier when recording anyway, but uh. Yes, I'm 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 half awake. I don't I'm feeling a very weird state. But it's very cold. It's it's so we're actually this is very rare for us. We're actually releasing this day after recording. We're not ahead of the game this week. So this is uh, this is the week of the snow. Um, I yeah. mean uh, I, I most people will probably be looking out the window looking at snow right now. Um our, uh where we are in Bucks, it's it's couple of inches it's pretty thick actually uh but where you are down on the coast nothing literally no like <laughs> li everywhere around us like we're surrounded by snow but seaford is impenetrable like it's like a, you know it's always i've always said it's got its own weather front but the weather front yeah. is like mild and fine does it ever does it ever snow yeah yeah we have had snow yeah 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 it's not like it's never happened um but yeah it's really weird it's like with a little piece of gritty salt in the in the sussex landscape you know there's literally nothing on here and like newhaven which is three miles up the road is is, is all white and fluffy wow. so yeah it's funny it's funny how it's happened we've just i mean you're not you're not you don't miss you're not missing too much no snow is like really fun for about 10 minutes and then yeah, it's actually not, quite annoying I'm not a big fan i have to say yeah, it was. I I went to make a snowman with my daughter earlier, and that was really fun. But again, it was literally ten minutes, and then it was obviously oh, we were frozen, and it was too well, cold. I, I liked. Well, I, I liked you because you shared the images with me, and it was great <laughs> because there was this beautiful snowman with a carrot in his face, and the next image was it being absolutely trashed and kicked yeah, to death she, uh, by your daughter. Yeah, I didn't ask her to do that. I tell her to. She just took it on her own yeah. uh, accord to kick the. She basically did, if you've been watching the football, she did what Wayne Hennessy did to the Iranian striker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she sort week. of like 
Yeah, it was like a kind of WWE move. <laughs> yeah, but the look of glee in her eye while doing it was. Yeah, I wondered if it was probably a, sort of, a worry. Yeah, I, I wondered if it was. I was a review of the of the quality of the work. I was quite. Do you know what? Actually, I was quite pleased because with the snowman because um went out there for long. It was very powdery snow. So that's kind mm. of ideal for like um, throwing snowballs. Yeah. You did do a little bit as well. But actually, for making a snowman, it was quite difficult because it was quite, it, it's not sticky enough. So yeah. It's not falling enough. Can't bind actually, it. Yeah, exactly. And and I felt like I was sort of like in the kitchen and I'm, I sort of can't get my like dough together. But like, <laughs> um, do it. Uh, it takes ages to roll. So I was like rolling it to try and get the body. It yeah. takes ages. Yeah. Those big, those big snowmen you see like on like in the movies and stuff must take ages yeah, to but do it, like, it's that's, a big old need, task like you say you need the perfect snow it's like when you make yeah. sandcastles you need like that it needs to be a little bit wet doesn't it you can't have yeah, like, just yeah, yeah. dry sand so the consistency yeah it's getting the right consistency exactly well yeah. talking of good consistency um obviously this <laughs> podcast we get lots of great guests on Lovely. and uh Lovely. this week is another fantastic guest it's kimberly burrows she's a phenomenal artist and um also you know she is blind we have to say that out up front yeah she creates incredible artwork um in spite of her disability and um we we obviously learn all about the difficulties and challenges she's faced over the last few years um of adapting to this new life of you know since she's come fully blind and some of the other challenges in her life but also how she's really submerged in her her work and how she's actually turned it into kind of a performance, how she creates her work and using her other senses to enhance her work as well. She's an absolute inspiration. This was a, this is not like any episode we've done before, I think really. Um, And it's, it's very raw at times. And Kimberly is incredibly honest about the journey she's had with, with losing her sight and, um, the incredible low moments that she's felt along the way. Lots of other things happen in her life. There's multiple sort of traumas mm. almost at the same time. I mean, she's been through so much mm. and so many good things are happening and then traumas happen and she's sort of, you know, one step forward, two step backwards. And um, uh, she's been through so much. And then and then she really talks about how art saved her, basically, and, and, and painting in particular. Um, as you say, phenomenal artist. I mean, she's incredibly talented and, and her work is is not only are the works really good, but they all come from this place of trauma and, and this mm. place of realism and rawness. And I just think it's it, it, it's incredible. And she really does go into so much detail about the things she's been through. And it's um, almost, I almost feel like maybe this, this episode should maybe come with a bit of a trigger warning because it's just it's it's so real and raw mm. and and but i i don't really think you know kimberly could tell her story without being that honest really so i really really appreciate her coming on and and, and telling us about the things she's been through and and her journey um and yeah she's just a fan, incredible person really inspirational so lovely to talk to mm. e- easy to talk to absolutely brilliant um but with an incredible story and and a wonderful journey and i, I think you'll all our listeners will feel inspired by uh, uh, by the end of this episode. It really is a very special one. Um, yeah, and I think we, we 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 both got quite emotional at times um, with with Kimberly's story. So um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What yeah. a person! What a yeah. person! Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a it was a real treat to have her on and and hear her story. And like you say, the you know we do talk about some very dark themes. Um, so it's good, you know, if you're obviously going through something yourself, maybe you know. Maybe this might not be the episode for you to listen to today. Yeah, but, or just be aware. Just yeah, be aware. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, um, just be aware. But yeah, so yeah, we obviously talk, touch on mental health and stuff. So yeah, 
just be aware of that when you're listening. But you know, an in- incredibly inspiring story, and um, yeah, it was it was just a real honour to to talk to Kimberly and hear what she's been doing, you know, over the last few years, and uh, yeah, how incredible journey that and, and how it's continuing and how exciting the future looks and you can actually as well so her, her instagram is kimberly burrows art because she talks about putting her art on instagram the journey you can actually almost follow her journey if you scroll down to the bottom of her instagram and follow the journey a bit through listening to the podcast yeah. and i always doing that or listening you can see how the art changes and you can see you yeah. know it's just it's, it's it's amazing really and and then you know more recently talks about playing with textures and stuff and you can see how some of her arts become more texture based and it's just like it's it's yeah you can always follow the journey while listening um so yeah fantastic person uh and a really really inspiring episode which i think we should we should get into yes absolutely i i agree so this is the fantastic the inspirational uh kimberly burrows on the blank podcast Have you done many podcasts, Kimberly? Um, I've done two before. Um, there's like a visually impaired podcast called VI Talk. Um, I yeah. think that was nine years ago. And then I did one earlier this year, um, which I believe is called Hindsight is 2200. Um, so they're quite small ones. And yours is definitely going to be the biggest one I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you <laughs> that makes us feel great thank yeah you. Well, yeah well we really appreciate you coming on um, <laughs> no thank you, you know, me. no no you're very welcome it's such an inspirational story normally with our podcast we kind of start back at the beginning of the of people's journeys that's what we you know we're always interested in how people get from a to b as it were mm-hmm. can you tell us a bit about like growing up was has art always been a big part of your life it has yes um so for me um my my story is very intertwined with being in hospital and mm-hmm. um, so I was born as a premature baby uh, with congenital cataracts and they were overlooked until I was four um, and then I, I started to have um, operations and procedures at Great Almond Street Children's Hospital um, from when I was four until I was 16 and I think just very instinctively I just found like refuge and a safe space in the art materials and that's how I kind of I don't think I really realized it but I was using it as like an art therapy almost because um, I didn't really know how to communicate how scared I was and the things that I was going through I didn't know why I was having these operations and why I was doing why I had to kind of uproot myself why I was away from school and my friends and um and why I had to do these things every few months Uh, so I would kind of experiment and get to know uh drawing and painting so so yeah art is a very big part of my life it's a very big part of my childhood every birthday every Christmas I would get kind of the the um the big things at the time um 
I remember very clearly getting blush art. I don't remember if you remember that from the nineties. Like, oh, that stands out to me. No. So, 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 so Kimberly, every every episode, Jim ends up googling and opening lots of tabs. I think so. So twenty tabs open. So, every episode. we're only two and a half minutes in, and the first one has been opened. First tab is opened. Is that like a is that a new sort of milestone? Two minutes in. I think that is the yeah, earliest one ever. Record, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So blush Jim, art. Blush art, okay. So. Wow. Blush art, yeah, it's the big thing of the 90s for, for girls. I sort of <laughs> what do, well, what I worked it? in a toy what? shop, so I do quite vaguely remember blush art. Okay, uh, it used yeah. to be in a similar section to like the kind of painting by numbers and stuff, if mm, I remember correctly. Yes, yes, I loved those too. Yes, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. you having any joy, Jim? Are you finding anything? <laughs> I've just seen some really nice pictures. People have made yeah. some really lovely artwork. But I, I'm still not quite sure what so, what, what with. So, so Kimberly, for those who don't know, can you are you yeah. able to explain blush art a little bit? Of course, yeah, absolutely. I'm so sorry that I didn't. Get no, don't be silly. Don't be silly. That's fine. <laughs> it's my so fault. Blush- I jumped in two footed. Is what I just Oh no, I no, please don't apologise. So blush art basically, um, you were given like a lovely coloured box, and on the inside, I believe it was an easel with stencils, and it was blushes, and it was like powder and stamps and and jewels and so you had kind of like pre-laser cut stencils of like pretty ladies and flowers and things and then you have like the colored blushes where you just powdered it on and then stuck jewels to it and that was kind of the artwork that you made and then you could like present that to friends you could make cards and put it on your fridge and everything but that was basically what blush art was it was a very 90s thing (laughs) it was lovely though I have very fond memories of it Charles, we talk about school quite a lot on this podcast, don't we? It comes up, comes up quite a lot. Uh, I'm just wondering, what were languages like for you at school? Did you do languages? How did you find them? I always found learning languages really challenging. And yeah, I didn't take uh, languages in GCSE. It was just too beyond me. Yeah, I did do GCSE. I did French in GCSE. Uh, you'll on. be delighted to know. Well, mate, you'll be delighted to know. I got an A. Nice. Or as they say in, in French, an A, which is probably <laughs> one of the reasons I passed. But then I did it to, to A-level. Because I thought, well, I'm good at this. And I got an E. Oh. It was, the jump up was so difficult. And I and I never really took it on from that. I sort of left it. It was a bit, bit sad, really, isn't it? It is really. And it's something I've always wanted to get back into. Well, you'll be delighted to know that thanks to Babbel, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you're traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family, or just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized languages that you'll actually use in the real world. Doesn't that sound good? It sounds amazing. I want to learn more about Babbel. Well, Babbel makes learning a language quick and easy because it focuses on natural conversation. That makes sense. Of course. It's always the best way to learn by just chatting to people. It's also got 15-minute lessons, and they are designed to be the most efficient and effective way to learn a new language. Babbel's lessons are created by over 150 language experts, a.k.a. real people, so you learn how to have a real world conversations, things that you'd actually use, not just meaningless phrases like le cat, le chat et sous la table. When have you ever gone abroad and said the cat is under the table, Charles? <laughs> uh, never. What's brilliant also, Jim, is Babbel's interactive lessons aren't like just talking to a robot. They're voiced by native speakers using a modern conversation-based method. So in no time, you'll be speaking confidently about real topics like cats under tables. <laughs> or what was the other one uh ue 
La Bibliothèque. <laughs> I need to know where the library is. <laughs> Every city I go to in France, or French-speaking world, I have to find the library. Um, Babel's teaching methods have been scientifically proven to be effective across multiple studies. There you go. Yeah, and also, I mean, we've obviously been speaking a lot of French, but they do do 14 different languages. Oh. So it includes Spanish, French, Italian, Germany, and loads more. Fantastic. What a choice. Plus, Babel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. And that is very helpful when you're abroad. Yeah, it's good to go. I mean, my bonjours aren't too good. <laughs> Uh, that, that was okay well thank you that it's very kind of you to lie there are so many ways to learn with Babel. in addition to lessons you can access podcasts games videos or even join live classes with a language teacher fantastic so many options so start your new language learning journey with Babel today right now Babel is offering our listeners three months free with a purchase of a three-month subscription with the promo code blank that's b-l-a-n-k what is that jim that's- <laughs> blank b-l-a-n-k that's a great deal that's a great deal so go to babble.com slash podcast 22 and then use the promo code blank for an extra three months free that's babble b-a-double-b-e-l dot com slash podcast 22 promo code blank b-l-a-n-k babble language learning that works um, I see now I'm getting in now in my head I'm getting an image of of um Banksy starting out in blush art stencils and then that's, <laughs> that's what that's what propelled him to start yeah <laughs> yeah certainly um yeah I think it starts with something doesn't it and for me it was it was that I remember that distinct very kind of perfumey smell of the mm. of, of the um the powder equally I kind of had like the the plasticine kind of stuff where um you would get that in like a set I think it was um I don't remember what the brand was now but you've got some kind of like um oh gosh I don't even want to guess but yeah I'd get kind of like some plasticine stuff and like another thing where you get like a pottery wheel and the stuff would never work yeah um, you know I don't, I don't always get these I, kind of kits too. it's so funny because like, like I say it late 90s I was working in a toy shop and things mm. like that would we that was the thing we always after Christmas that the returns would be a lot of those yeah. kind of things <laughs> you know like the things that people were bringing back either because they didn't want them you know mm. like, I don't know this is a mess um or they didn't quite work as as they were Ooh. kind of advertised um yeah it's amazing and, and, and painting by numbers I was really into painting by numbers as well I used to love the painting by numbers stuff they were yeah. great and that is a great in I think for for art like um i think if you're not very confident those things mm. can really help i think along the way yeah absolutely there's no kind of um yeah i think the art world there's there's always like this kind of ivory tower isn't there there's lots of like mm. elitism around yeah. it and it there is like a hard kind of there's a hard avenue of how do, how do you get in there's no pressure with painting by numbers you kind of do it at your own pace um and then, you know, at the end, you do have this very beautiful piece of art. Um, and yeah, like you, t- you take your own time. The nice thing about it, too, is it's like a nice therapy tool as well. Like, yeah. um, you know, it relaxes you and it's releasing all of this serotonin. And you've got this item at the end where you can feel very par- proud of yourself. And I think, yeah, there is something very nice to say about the paint by numbers. They actually did work. Yeah. <laughs> and like, the, paint, the paints themselves weren't really great, but it actually and the brushes were even worse oh, the brushes they, were they terrible were, yeah they I mean, were dreadful <laughs> weren't yeah. they 
you could stick those through like a needle like they were dreadful (laughs) (laughs) but they they, those did actually work so you know um so initially was it um paints and crafts and stuff that was like at the hospitals then for for kids that were going going through stuff yeah yeah there was like little trolleys of things um i don't think they were intentionally there to kind of you know you're having an operation here's some things i think it was just um with with kind of great Ormond street being the way that it is which is one of the best children's hospitals in the world there's lots of play areas there's lots of toys um there was just this little section where there was kind of arts and crafts and that's just naturally what i was driven to it's the same as um my first day of primary school, I was driven towards the easel, not necessarily any of the other toys. There was lots of wow. other things going on. It was just kind of the easel and the plasticine and things that I was drawn to. I was more drawn to being creative rather than being social and <laughs> kind of <laughs> doing other stuff. I kind of wanted to explore parts of myself rather than, um, you know, kind of playing and play fighting and doing all other things I just you know I sort of I wanted to be my be with myself and kind of mm, yeah, yeah unpick unpick parts of my own character and you know sit with myself and I think that's quite a um quite an honest thing to say but yeah you know <laughs> I wasn't yeah. a play fighter either Kim, <laughs> Kim no my, my brother my was thing. I think that's why yeah <laughs> he was a big wrestler <laughs> so I did have that part of my childhood too. <laughs> I think I think you're right about the set. I mean, for anyone going through what you've gone through, it would have been stressful. But I, th- I think being that young, mm. it obviously must have been incredibly scary. And as you said, you don't really know why you're going back to these things and why you're going back to hospital for all these checkups and operations and stuff. But to have yeah. this outlet, you know, and I think mm. art, is, art is a wonderful outlet anyway for yes. everybody but i guess at that age as well it's mm. we talk on this pod quite a lot sometimes are like uh, things you were meant to f- things you were meant to do find you in a way yes. and I, i'm getting the same kind of vibe with this that the art sort of found you like mm. exactly when you needed it yeah i think that's very true um and i think you've picked up on yeah quite a lot of things like um it is it's yeah i don't really know how much to say but it is it's very um as a child it's very subconsciously like you know I miss my family and I miss my friends and in in some ways I miss school like you you have that routine Mm. and you know you wake up at sort of eight o'clock and you you start school at nine and um and you miss that and and it's like I'm not there and I'm missing and missing maths strangely uh why why am I not there and um and there is that sense of life's going on without you uh, and everyone's sort of getting on with their life and you don't quite register that and understand that as a four five six year old but you do pick up on it that kind of that life's going on and you're not there and so you do feel very lost and uh, there is that sense of you're missing out on stuff and that did continue throughout my life I did feel that way that you know stuff is going on and I'm not there and that, con- that continued throughout childhood and throughout being a teen um and then obviously being visually impaired and, and now blind you do have that sense of stuff has happened without me it still continues without me and you, you have that sort of I'm an outsider all the time and that's where art steps in and kind of fills those gaps and um you do sort of learn things about yourself through using the materials um yeah. and and like you very rightly said like it does it does find you it, it was meant to happen 
um, in a way, in a very poetic kind of way. Yeah. No, no, I was just reflecting on that and um, just can't, you know, can't kind of comprehend in a way all, all the stuff that you went through and for such a long period of time. I mean, I think you said from the age of four to the age of 16, mm-hmm. you were going through that and uh, and how 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 challenging that must have been for not only for you but for your family as well is would that yeah. be fair to say it is yeah we had to sort of really figure out what to do I think my mum especially um she was going through two things at that time it wasn't just my diagnosis of um because when she had me and then as I was growing up and realizing like my daughter can't see properly she's walking into everything and what do I do like you know she went to my my doctor who just was very dismissive of her and she was a young mother and she was like what do I do now do I pay to see a specialist which is what she did and they then kind of mentioned uh, Great Ormond Street she kind of had to do everything herself but at the same time her mother uh, my nana had a, a big stroke um, so she was grappling that. And back in the 90s, like we didn't have what we do now. And so my nana was severely disabled. Um, so she dealt with two very big things mm. back then, which is sort of me being visually impaired and then my nana having this you know, huge disability um, and having to be her caregiver too. So she was being a full-time caregiver. So that was like profoundly impactful to my mom and I in a way I now understand what she was going through. There's no way I could have done um, sort of 10 years ago. Like I would never have really understood the scope of that, but I do now, unfortunately, because my mum has now had a stroke too. So I absolutely understand what she went through, all those range of emotions. Um, But yeah, so so for my mum, it must've been so difficult to so isolating. Like she didn't have much of a social life. She didn't have, um a a working life that, that she, you know that was denied to her because she was always looking after her parents and she was always looking after me uh, my dad too in the early days like they you know they had to um wake up in the middle of the night uh we all had to get ready and then drive from manchester to london so that we could be oh there God. for nine o'clock yeah because we did you know, the trains were very expensive for us we come from a very working class background and as we got a little bit older, then we could kind of save for the train journeys. But back then in the early sort of 90s, like we certainly couldn't afford the trains. Um, so, yeah, it was it was very big kind of upheaval for everybody um, and very big to kind of, yeah, kind of understand. Yeah, you know, Kim is visually impaired and can't see how we thought. And, and Kim is blind in her right eye. OK, Kim has cataracts now needs them removing okay Kim needs her natural islands is removing and um intraocular ones putting in and and this things kind of kept happening and okay now she has a limited scope of vision in just one eye and and then we all had to process that and grieve that and and then you get used to it and, and life goes on and um and then yeah now now I am where I am now which is sort of uh sort of 20 how many years later is it now it was 25 years later Mm -hmm. uh my retina's detached and that was a very lonely I kind of I went through that on my own um pretty much um yes it is but before then um I witnessed my mum have a stroke in front of me. This is going on like kind of further down the timeline now I don't know if you kind of want to continue into the childhood sort of 
yeah but yeah just kind of yeah later in my life I then kind of witnessed my mum have a stroke in front of me and then six months later I lost my sight so it's been a very difficult life oh my word I'm so sorry that's that's so much that's so full-on in a short space of time it is absolutely but art has kind of always been there and and yeah just right from the beginning it's always just been that that thread running throughout to kind of be that that therapy tool yeah that's that 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 sort of constant in your mm. life that's that's been there and, and life has clearly chucked so many curveballs and and, and, mm. and things at you and art being there as the constant but I just want to pick up on something you said you said quickly then when you're talking about the you and your parents coming to, mm. to terms with what was happening to you about yes. sort of gr- grieving that process mm. and I guess grieving yes. your sight loss like I think that's a really important word I think because it, mm. it is isn't it I guess it, it's it's a process of grief for you yeah. and for your family that you're going through this hugely traumatic thing mm, it is yeah it is definitely um it, it is a huge shock it is a, a grieving process um and you go it's not a linear process either I guess you go through yeah. all of them um not for me as as the one in the center of it I didn't understand what was going on um I'm the one that it was happening to but I'm also the one that was receiving kind of the teddy bears and and the yeah. praise and, and you're you're being very good and very well behaved but I'm also just didn't have the capacity to understand what was going on um yeah. but I think for everyone else are the ones who were the kind of very shocked and upset but would keep it quite hidden from me too because you know um I just couldn't understand at that age um but for them I think definitely they would have been very sort of going through those grieving stages of gosh like you know we didn't know any of this was happening um and because they weren't told when I was born yeah. that, that I had cataracts they just were not told at all um so how are they to know because I think exactly. as parents you're constantly guilty you're constantly feeling mm. like yes guilty about something yeah mm-hmm. exactly and yeah. so I imagine that would have been a big and that does start on yeah. day dot you know that's as soon as yeah. you're handed this this little thing and then yeah. it's like yeah here you go um mm. and yeah and it's it's constant unfortunately it is yeah definitely so definitely. Kimberly tell us a bit about your 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 kind of art journey like with regards to mm. your where you've gone from because I think am I right in thinking that um some time ago you were doing more illustration and obviously you've moved That's now right. more to things. so yeah tell us a bit about your journey with with your art um so yeah um, like I say, from all throughout school, um, the fascination was always there. I would always take it as my subject. Um, I would always be sketching and drawing in my free time. Um, it was always my hobby and uh, would always be pinning things to the fridge. Like, this is my latest thing. This is the thing that I, you know, want to show my mum and have around the house. Um, and I took it for my subject at GCSE um, and got an A-star. Um, and then I started to do college, um, but was really struggling for a number of reasons. And uh, there just wasn't the support in place that there is now. Um, there isn't the technology that there is in place. There isn't the understanding oh, yeah. for, for someone with visual impairment or someone who is blind. Um, and I was just really like having a hard time. 
Um, I was also being teased by my peers. I don't think any of them would be listening in, but if they are, like, thanks so much for making my life hard. (laughs) That's horrendous. I'm so sorry. Yeah, they weren't. It's okay. They they weren't very nice to me, so I just eventually dropped out. Um, So I was just having a really hard time at 16, um, and I kind of fell back into loving children's books and kind of surrounding myself with things that I loved as a child like finding um comfort in children's books and i um especially loved like one of my favorites was paddington bear yeah and um yeah paddington's great and so i started to draw and sketch a lot of paddington bear again um for yeah for about a year and um and then found his, he had set up the, the, the Facebook page. So I had gone on the Facebook page and shared some of my um, some drawings on there. And um, like the page had liked it. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, thanks. That's, that's nice. <laughs> um, and then, and then like, the, the page messaged me and just said, like, um, you know, we really like your drawings. I, I just want to let you know that I'm the daughter of, of the author. And I was like, oh, my goodness, oh, wow, wow, hi. Wow. Yeah, I said, thank you so much for liking my drawings. Like, I'm such a huge fan. Um, so then, um, you know, we, we exchanged, you know, some messages. And and then she very kindly gave me um, her father's details so I could start writing to him. So wow. I became pen pals with Michael Bond, the author of Paddington oh, Bear. and fantastic. Yeah. That's yeah, so cool. So, it is so um so like I you know I was, I was pen pal for quite some time and and had gifted him some of my drawings and then in uh, 2012 I was invited to his home in London uh, just before the Olympics um and and that was such that was probably one of the if not the the best day of my life I would oh, say me and my wow. me and my mom <laughs> yeah me and my mom were invited up and and um we went to to Hamley's uh, they yeah. have like a massive oh, yeah. uh, Paddington display, and so I bought some Paddingtons, and I uh, bought some g- gifts up for for Michael, and and yeah, sat in his garden. We had afternoon tea. He brought his guinea pigs out. He has another children's <laughs> book series called Olga de Polga, who are named after his guinea pigs. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just had a wonderful time. He signed some of my books, and um, you know, he gave me some really wonderful advice, and he was very kind to me about my illustrations and just said you know you're a wonderful illustrator just never give up um and you know if you love something like push it as far as you can go and I've always kept that with me I've always retained that 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 phrase and that thinking like if you love something like push it as far as you can go um and so you know I've just always kept that day and and my interactions with him very close to me um and then, then I that kind of spurred me to to think right what what do, what do I want to do um, with my life because I'm just sort of here I'm very anxious I've, I've lost a little bit more of my sight um, and I do want to be an illustrator but I'm not quite sure how to to go about doing this I'm very inspired by Paddington and I'm, I'm inspired by my meeting with the author um, what are my next steps I'd like to go back to college because I feel like that was an opportunity that was taken away from mm-hmm. me a little bit um so I I then um signed up to be a guide dog owner and that took um a little bit of patience <laughs> it's, it's mm-hmm. quite a, a lengthy process <laughs> is it now that's lengthy. interesting be, yeah so what 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 makes it so lengthy is that 
because you've got and to find the right animal. What, how does that work, that process, if you don't mind me asking? No, I don't mind. Um, there's quite a few reasons for it, um, to be honest. The waiting lists are very long. There's yeah. a lot of people waiting for a guide dog. Um, but you also have to wait for the the, the dogs to be trained and mm. um, for them to be trained successfully too. There's lots that just don't really make it through for, for various reasons. Mm -hmm. And once they do, sometimes if there is a dog that is matched, they might not be suitable to you. So there's quite a, a process to it. Um, so, yeah, it can take sort of 17 months to, to two years. Wow, right. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a wait. But once, once you've been matched um it's you know it's incredibly worth it mm. and i've been with tammy who is my guide dog um for eight years now um this month we've been together for eight years this is her final six months of working um and then i'll be back on the waiting list again right, okay um so yeah so that, at that point i was uh, i'd just kind of done my application and uh, just been matched to tammy and um and then was like, right, I've got a guide dog now. I'm starting to be independent for myself for the first time. And I'd like to go back to college. And I uh, went to an open day on my own. I went on the train to Leeds. I went to Leeds uh, College of Art, as it was called then. And um, it was the access course, which was for older students. Uh, for mature students, I should call us. And... Um, <laughs> and um, and it was wonderful, like how how it all was, how it all sounded, how it was presented. I really loved um, the tutor Adam. Um, he he, I was instantly drawn to him. He just he sounded like such a wonderful guy. Um, at the end, he even told me that he he had two visually impaired daughters himself. Um, and I was just like, right, that's it. I, I definitely want to apply yeah. now. Um, you know, it's so just, funny, isn't it? Sometimes we have these serendipity moments. We meet people yeah. that, or people come yeah. into our lives. A bit like mm. we were talking earlier about the art found you. Like yeah. you meet people, yeah. or people come into you your life. You're just instantly drawn to yeah, them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, mm. that's really fantastic. And obviously then, the, the, mm. you know, you've got that level of compassion and empathy for one another. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's it. So I, I just signed up and registered and and um I did my interview and and I, I wanted to do the level two at first um but he said no no I want you to do level three um and and so I, yeah I was enrolled onto the course and that, I would say that was my best year of education I really loved it and uh, loved being with um you know people from all different kinds of disciplines but I came from the illustration lens and throughout that year that was when I kind of really came into it doing um, storyboards and kind of crafting um, children's books for the first time and I felt like a, I was a proper illustrator and I really loved it and I kind of had my ideas and and was fulfilling these modules and and then applied to do illustration at Leeds Arts University um, and and that was it then I was I was going to university I felt fantastic and um and yeah, again, like my first year at university was it was incredible. I loved my tutors, Matt and Jamie. They were wonderful, uh, really supportive of me and the work I was doing. And I had some really great ideas of some children's books that I wanted to do. Um, so much so that like one of the ideas that I had um, was definitely going to be like my first children's book that I wanted. Um, it, I don't really know how much to say, but um, like a... Uh, how how to how to word it, but a I can't I can't even remember how it happened, but I think it was a blog that I had at the time um, when I was blogging about being uh, visually impaired and kind of being a visually impaired student, 
it was this ITV's this time next year had reached out to me and um, they said, you know, would you like to come onto the program? And it's, it's Davina McCall that presents it and, you know, you could come on and, and we could kind of, you, you do your video diaries and we could have it so that you have your children's book. And then this time next year, you could be releasing your children's book. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like my dreams are coming <laughs> true. Like, yes, absolutely, please. Like, I, I, would, I would love to. And so we did that and we got all signed up to do that. And I, I went on the show to do my initial filming. And then I got to meet Davina and sit on the couch and talk about what it is that I want to do this time next year. And, um, yeah, so we did that. And then um, after my first year of um, degree, um, throughout that year, too, I was fundraising to go to Uganda to. Um, uh, with a charity called East African Playgrounds. I, um, I've i always been quite charitable too. I come from quite a, a charitable um, background. I've always done things with sight loss charities through kind of guide dogs, through the RNIB, um, through Henshaw Society for Blind People. I've always been quite, um, I've always liked to do fundraising and, um, you know, like I'd like to raise money and do various activities. Um, so for this one, I would be out in Uganda for a month and I'd be doing various activities with the children at a, at a school in Kasambira, um, but equally helping to build a playground, essentially. Um, you know, I'd be doing all the grafting and, and the digging of holes and constructing a playground with a group of other um, students from the north of England. Um, and I'd be helping to paint it too. That was kind of the, the angle that I was coming in. I'd be looking forward to kind of painting it and kind of doing all these bits and bobs around the playground and, and doing art sessions with the children too. Um, but yeah, ultimately, um, ultimately at the, at the end of kind of 2017, um, uh, my mental health was very bad when I came back from Uganda, like coming back from, from something like that, um, you know, coming back from, and you know, this very big communal uh yeah atmosphere where you know it's very hard to to go back to university in your second year when you've experienced something like that I think Uh, when you've had this fantastic summer and you've you've lived in um this group setting where everyone's worked together as a unit and you're back at uni where people ultimately just don't really care about you that much I know you're there to kind of work but I was kind of the older person with a guide dog and people didn't really care about me and it was quite hard and my mental health was suffering a little bit and I just needed to take some time out um which which I did um just to kind of yeah I just needed some time for myself really um and then that's when my mum had a stroke well first of all my dad left (laughs) um then my mum had a stroke in front of me in in the Trafford Centre so that was very public um yeah and so then I have to be like I can't do uh this time next year because I can't keep up with these the the audio uh, sorry not the audio the video diaries that we have to do because I'm now a full-time caregiver um so so that was very upsetting too not only was I grieving for for my mom and that's again the the, the grief is, is a big is a big part of of my life and my narrative um I, I was then grieving for this opportunity um because you know things were happening there that were ticking over with that um the opportunity with this time next year um you know walker books were very interested in one of my stories that i had um and we did have the beginnings of 
um, a children's book contract. And so we did do the filming for that, that Christmas. Um, and, you know, that was becoming a very real reality, but I just couldn't keep up with the the, the video diaries um, yeah, yeah. for it to be a reality. I think Walker Books was still interested, but I just, um, and that was still kind of happening. So that was still kind of there, but mm. the, the opportunity with this time next year was was not happening anymore. So that was quite upsetting. But in my mind, I was like, I need to look after my mom. That, that's That's kind of my first and foremost thing now that's what matters um and that was very sad um and then yeah like I had to grow up very quickly um because I still felt very sort of um like a fish out of water I was like I don't know what I'm doing I don't know how to care for somebody else um I don't know how to sort of look after a house like I have experience with living on my own but as a disabled person um I feel like I'm a little bit sort of my experiences don't match up with someone who is sighted um so I had to learn very quickly how to to operate you know looking after my mom and looking after two animals and the house um and then you know later that year I then lost my sight so then I, I lost that opportunity to do the the children's book um and then you know it was kind of trauma after trauma because that that summer I had um made plans to go back to university uh so everything was in place to to go back to uni so a week later I was due to go back to uni to start my second year again um and it's like well how do I do that now because I'm having emergency surgeries um and here's my student accommodation telling me that I need to move in and it's like well you're gonna have to wait mm, <laughs> I'm not <yeah>. there <laughs> I'm in Manchester Eye Hospital at the moment I'm sorry um and they weren't very forget- I tried to get out of that contract and then just try and start the year again and I, you know what student accommodations are like you absolutely cannot so I'm, like, well, I'm gonna yeah. have to do this year <laughs> I'm gonna have to do this um so yeah um I'd have to um emergency surgeries and then there I was dropped straight into my second year of uni and just I had no idea what I was doing I just um am I allowed to swear on this podcast yeah you are yeah okay okay I just absolutely bullshitted my way through that year I did not know what I was doing and then we were doing an animation um module and I was like wow that's fantastic and then the retina detached in my other eye um my word yeah and so I had to have operations again so I had four um surgeries four operations that year so it got to May and just that whole academic year was just such a mess um because I just wasn't even there and I had to just retake that year again um thankfully the animation (laughs) module had got written out I think because of me um (laughs) But by the time I got round to it again, um, it, it was just a lot kinder. The second time around, it was an animated GIF, which was a lot okay, better. Okay, yeah, it's a bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much easier. Um, and I could have some, I could have assistance with that, thank God. Um, but yeah, but, but yeah, oh my God, it was just, it was not a great time. Um, but oh. yeah, by the time I did my second year, I just, I did so badly. Um, I just got thirds in everything and I just became so jaded. I was just like, I don't really care. And we were going through the pandemic too by that point, but I just didn't really care oh, anymore. Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I guess at that point you're just, you're just trying to get through, aren't you? And, and Exactly. You're just yeah. trying to survive. Yeah. 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 And, and Kimberly, you've, it sounds like you've been through such a, 
a lot of challenges in the last few mm. years and um thank you for being so honest and candid with us about it yeah um You're welcome. and i guess the the kind of constant throughout this obviously has been your artwork and mm. maybe turning to that and would it be fair to say you sometimes you, that obviously with the illustration stuff that was that was also one of those challenges because you had to kind of grieve the fact that you might not be able to do this book but was art in yeah. general still there as a constant for you that you could turn to in those darker moments it was yeah um especially in the pandemic and when my retinas had detached I was like I don't know how to return to illustration really um it's a very painful place for me because of the loss of this children's book contract yeah, of course. I mean it hasn't explicitly been said that it's lost it's just that I don't know how to tell them what's happened to me um it, you know nothing has ever officially been said it's just that I've never emailed them back I, I don't know how to ever approach them and tell them it's just sort of there somewhere in the ether I just have never been able to yeah. approach them um and equally kind of with all of my grades going really bad like I did so badly in my second year I got third like it was just passes for everything I was like this is, I feel like I'm living in a nightmare because I was such a high achiever in my first year I was a student governor I was a student rep I was a student ambassador I was Hermione Granger like I was getting first <laughs> in everything <laughs> in, you know I was living my best life in um you know in, in my first year in illustration and then I was off in Uganda and you know doing like amazing things and painting this playground and and then just you know really just doing so badly but of course how could I do a good job when I couldn't yeah. even see what I was doing so I was really yeah. like putting such pressure on myself I was just doing cut shapes and um I kind of doing things about chance and kind of you know how shapes interact it was such shit honestly it was bad just we're not even going to go there as to what it was it was dreadful <laughs> <laughs> it's not even worth it doesn't bear repeating what it was it was dreadful um but to answer your question like art um and it, what it came to be was painting that mm. that kind of which I turned to because like the question that I asked myself was uh how how do I go how do I progress forward here because I am stuck like I cannot yeah. go I can't return to illustration which was the, the digital illustrations that I was doing they were very um textured they were very complex on a Wacom tablet on the computer and I the, the fact of the matter is that I cannot do that <laughs> with what's happened yeah. to me so how do I finish my degree because I've got two options here I either go home and be a full-time caregiver uh, which is which was a fate that eventually awaited me anyway after graduation, but it's it's what will instantly await me if I leave, yeah. or I can finish this degree, but I need to figure out how to do that, and that only I have the answer to that, and I need to figure out how to do it. Um, and I've been through a lot, um, and it's awful, but only I have the the answer to that. And what do I do? And I got into such a state, and I got into a really bad place. And what was happening also at that time um, during the pandemic was my guide dog got very sick. Um, she had, oh, uh, yeah, she had um, benign tumors that grew. She has quite a few, but there was there was some that grew quite to such a size. Her harness wasn't closing anymore. She couldn't work for me. So, um, yeah, she couldn't really be my guide dog anymore equally. So so she was gone and I was completely on my own in my flat in Leeds. I have no friends. I have no family. I was completely detached from the world. Um, so I got into such a dreadful place. I got into the worst place that someone could get into. 
um, I didn't want to be here anymore because I was then just thinking like I was reflecting on my entire life and like my life is awful. Um, I miss my mum. I can't illustrate, you know, all of my opportunities have gone. My degree has just gone so badly. I've just gotten my grades through and they're bad. Um, Like I just don't know what to do and I just didn't want to be here anymore. Like that was the reality of it. Um, So then I just, you know, you kind of think about things and, and how you've, how you'd like to not be here um and then uh, a little voice in my head was like let's try painting there's some paints uh they're in my drawer over there like that could be a way that we could keep you know illustrating and, and finish this degree because illustration doesn't necessarily have to be drawing or it doesn't have to be kind of you know little figures and Mm. storyboards and things illustration is looking and seeing and interpreting the world it it can be photography it can be moving image it can be anything it doesn't have to be what you were doing before so um I got my watercolors out and made an absolute mess you know it must have been so bad what I did it was just like these muddy puddles um but I was there for a couple of hours and I think at the end of it it didn't matter what I made it mattered how I felt yeah. And it mattered yeah. that yeah. Uh, I had fun. And that's kind of what kept me, I kept returning to it um, every night when I kept feeling like really stressed about my guide dog not being there. Um, I would get the paints out and I would look forward to it. And I'd be like, this is a time for me. I would set that time aside and I would uh, just have fun and just, you know, make that safe space to just play and explore and experiment. And, um, you know, create gestures in in the paint and listen to music to equally kind of mm. select music that would reflect how I feel and interpret that in in gestures and, and movements um you know whether that was sad songs which usually it was <laughs> um and and it was that's that's how I got through my summer and then I, would, I presented the, all of this to my tutor in the September and she was like this is incredible like this is so powerful and you know this is definitely how I want you to proceed with your final year um and I managed to turn my degree around and um I got a first in my dissertation because I based it then thank you um I based it on art therapy and kind of like how powerful art can be as a therapy tool um and how you know the the science of the brain and, and what it not necessarily kind of painting but kind of the creative practice how it changes the brain especially after complex trauma which is what I've been through I've Mm. been through so many traumas um and you know how it creates new pathways in the brain um and yeah I got through all my modules and 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 graduated and I'm really really proud because I could easily have dropped out at any point (laughs) I think anybody else would have done um and just really proud to have you know to have done that for myself uh, and so I've kept turning up for myself and then yeah that's, that's how I, I kind of got through that and then those paintings that I made in those darkest times um I posted to my Instagram and I kept kind of would set that time aside too to, to share something I had like an audience of five like there was nobody 
um but somewhere out there warehouse were watching <laughs> i don't know how they found me um but warehouse found me um and got in touch with me earlier this year like the lovely ladies of warehouse and and that was just such a nice thing to come out of those pandemic paintings from my grief and my pain yeah i, I mean that's that's such a powerful story giles isn't it i mean it's, it's, huge I, I think it's so powerful you you sharing that with us and i think you know I, i'm thinking about the, the the paints being in that drawer i mean thank mm. god they were you know, yeah thank god those paints were in that drawer it, it sounds to me like that painting and art saved you in a way absolutely and did. you're talking about you know be feeling lonely and and obviously your guide dog was having problems and i'd imagine for anyone that doesn't have a guide dog you know they are i'm guessing they are essentially your your closest companion and and your best friend and so Mm. if they're not there i can completely understand that feeling of loneliness and 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 loneliness is is what breeds depression it's what breeds our toughest times feeling isolated and 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 cut off and Mm. and and with all the traumas you've been through i can completely understand how you'd feel so low and i just think it's like we said before, this idea of things coming, things are there when you most need them, and those, those paint, those paint products are in your drawer, and then yes. look at you now. I just think it's an incredible story. I just think it's, I think you're such an inspiration, Thank and you. it's so, it's so powerful, and 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 you know, it's 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 the best um, example of what art can do, as you say, literally changing, you know, the the way your your brain works, and mm. and, and I think it's in yeah, incredible, and. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a question at the end of this. I've just, I've just, I've just, I'm quite moved by your stories. I just wanted to tell you that it moved me. I guess. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, no, likewise. I mean, and and actually, the thing that made me feel a little bit choked up was when you were saying you were proud of yourself, and uh, because we don't often say that out loud that we're proud of ourselves yeah, or our achievements. Yeah. And I'm really pleased that you, you know, that you you said that because you obviously you've come through so much. And actually just to give yourself, there's a thing that Jim says on most episodes, which is like, we should give ourselves the win. And uh, yeah. we, we're so, I think a lot of us are very, particularly creative people are very bad at doing that. So I'm really yeah. pleased that you gave yourself the win um, and you were able to sort of, yeah, say that you were proud of yourself because you should be incredibly proud of yourself because that, yeah. you know, regardless of the other things that were going on in your life, like that's not easy to do anyway like regardless and you've been through all this stuff as well so yeah and and i'm just thinking back to like you know you're talking about those dickheads at college who were teasing mm. you and being mm. nasty and, and 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 i'm sure that was horrible and yet you've now got so many so many confidence boosters that have happened to you since in terms of your work mm. and these people validating your work and, and and lovely messages from people wearing your dresses to occasions i think that's so nice there are good people out there and there are nice people who want to help you and want to do well and, and and that's something i try to remind myself most of the time there are good people mm-hmm. out there and and yes there are dickheads um but you know there are more nice people so i like I don't, know, I don't know if that's true that's what i like to tell myself that's the phrase um, from this 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 week is the the, the great phrase is there's there's, there's more there's, there's less di- there's less dickheads than there are nice people. <laughs> yeah no i agree with yeah. that I agree with that. I think, yeah, definitely. I think there's there are. I think the more that we could sort of open up to each other, and the more that we talk to each other, um, yeah. there there are there are. You know, it is another human, and yeah, the more that we are very real with each other, um, there is a lot of kindness too. And I think, especially this year, I've experienced a lot of kind gestures. And I've experienced the kindness of people. Equally, I've, give, I've extended that kindness to others more than mm. ever before. 
Um, so I have experienced the best of people this year. Um, yeah, we can be very nice. Equally, we can, we can be truly awful. Yeah, I think that we are nicer than we, than we give uh, credit to each yeah, other for. But absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Now, Kimberly, you, you kind of touched on your technique and, the, you know, how you create your artwork can you t- give us a little bit more detail about how, what goes into it and what kind of um what types of paints you use and obviously yeah. we, I, I'm always desperate to hear what kind of music you're listening to as well so yeah yeah tell us a bit yeah. about your process I guess yeah of course um so I think I'll start from when I began during the pandemic um I look a very favored um oil pastels mm-hmm. I loved sort of um the rough texture that it would create because that I could then feel on the the canvas or on the the, the surface uh, when I had used the oil and when I hadn't and I would also scratch into it too so I'd create like really um interesting um textures and techniques um it took me a while to really get the confidence to start painting and to to buy a canvas um, because that, like I mentioned earlier, there is this sort of, um, there is an ivory tower and there is a bit of elitism around painting and mm-hmm. you're like, oh God, am I, am I, am I a painter? Um, am I allowed into the art world? Especially if yeah. I don't have sight, am I going to get judged on this? Um, when you start to buy a canvas, there is this kind of, how do I even broach beginning painting onto this thing? You kind of build it up into this big task and you get very scared, or at least I did. I was just like, I don't know what to do. Um, and was quite terrified. I gessoed it and, and grounded it and, um, you know, prepared the surface. But I was so scared to even begin to to even start painting it. I was just, I just built it into this really scary thing. But once you get going, um, you know, as with anything, you just, you, you do, um, you get into to enjoying it. And um, for me, um, the colours aren't too important. Mm-hmm. And I would pick anything. Um, I would I would be quite mindful not to muddy the colours though. So I would try not to um to be too expressive where I would start merging the colours where everything starts turning brown. And I think that's always a question that I get. Like how do you know what colours you're using? Mm. And you know, you're making things where it's you know it's very expressive but it doesn't look rubbish. Uh, I'm like, well, thank you very much. Um, I do, I do try to to not kind of, you know, doing things like a child that's sort of painting on a wall. Um, equally, you know, I am very mindful of what I am doing, so I do try to paint with purpose. Um, so I, I did used to use palette knives quite a lot. Um, you know, I am spreading the paint on, um, and um now I, I i am using my fingers quite a lot i okay, like to, yep. to use yeah i like to use my fingers so I'm, I'm quite engaged with the surface um i have an app on my phone um it's called swatches um so i do kind of and i also have seeing ai uh which will take photos and that will read the labels of my paints out and it will also kind of pick up on what colors i'm using too but oh, oftentimes cool. i don't really I, I don't really care what colors i'm using if i'm being quite honest it doesn't matter um to me uh sometimes it does like i do want to create an atmosphere i, I prefer muted colors so that i do have a muted palette um from a brand called liquitex um and as long as i'm kind of staying to the darker colors uh, then i'm good or sometimes i like to use the, the brighter colors for certain things um but yeah i just like to engage with the surface and i like to scratch in with my fingers too just to make it more 
um, uh, layered and, and engaging. Um, but yeah, and then to kind of music I listen to, um, gosh, everything. I think I surprise people, um, I guess, with the way I look. <laughs> I think they're expecting me to be listening to something else. But often I'm told I have a music taste of a 60-year-old bachelor. Um, I think I have quite a surprising music taste. Um, I like um, I like everything from goodness. Um, I think at the minute I'm listening to a lot of Nick Cave. Okay, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, big Nick Cave yeah. fan, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else am I listening to? Uh, the Amazons. I, I want to shout out to them because I, I love them very much. Well, the Amazons are um, great. Yes, they, they are fantastic. Yeah, I, I love them very much. Um, well, I am. A I can very see Jim. Jim is Jim is like beavering away on his I'm keyboard. <laughs> oh yeah, please do check them out. They're fantastic. Yeah, the Amazons I, are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. Yeah. Okay, definitely. Yeah, def- definitely check them out. I am a big Morrissey fan. Um, I, which is probably quite controversial to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I. Um, what else do I like? Um, I love The Doors. I'm listening to a lot of The Doors again. Um, I You know um, who they are, Jim, surely. Yeah, no. I do. You don't need to Google them. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm a big Doors fan. I love The Doors. And Jim Morrison's poetry is also yes, very good. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of poetry, um, I am... Um, I've got about three books on my uh, iPad of Leonard Cohen. Um, oh, brilliant. I'm, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah, I, I love his works too. Mm. And Nick Cave's book too. Yes. Um, yeah, I've yeah. got his new book, yeah. Um, I, yeah, just all the sad stuff. Johnny Cash. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the sad men um yeah I, I think i really got back into kate bush this year too on the back of stranger yeah things. i think everyone started yeah yeah a new appreciation for kate bush um who else do i really like um i think um it's this very it's a very hard question it's like who is your favorite child it's it's difficult because i have such a, a broad view i could answer taste. that one easily no it's not just, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> no it's like yes i love music hmm. yeah um yeah and yeah, just yeah trying to think um maybe i should turn the question around to you and um and ask you what you're listening to and be like hmm, do i like that <laughs> um, i think it's always interesting I, for me like when i when this time of year because obviously like you know i listen to spotify generally mm, and when yes. when you get given your sort of top 20 you know your top <laughs> top songs yeah, yeah. and then you can go through it and you think oh have i really listened to that song the most uh, it's really interesting yeah. and then you think and then I, I i you know i go through it and i you know i'm, I'm actually looking at it now on my phone and thinking mm. wow did i really listen to that the most this year but it, i guess you know it's it's always really interesting to see and and actually uh, you know my musical taste year on year probably doesn't change that much um right yeah. which is interesting but yeah it looks like a lot of radiohead this year uh um, oh okay yeah Qu- quicksand cave in i'm a big fan of cave in um mm-hmm. yeah kind of a lot of alternate rock um mm. and then yeah some nick caves in there so yeah good yeah, yeah. and pj harvey <laughs> as well pj harvey Ooh. oh yeah so yeah so mm. jim's looking yeah, at his nice. now is he well, no, because the, the, I've got a three-year-old daughter, so that obviously, right. if you link your Spotify to the, <laughs> oh, no. home, like the three little um, pigs, right. it completely fucks up Baby your rut at the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I think that was in there. 
it was <laughs> I also we also live with my mother in law who's in her seventies and she uses right. it to listen to her music. So my top Oh man, yours is gonna be here. a right mess. Oh mate. It, it was something like, like if you got like Cliff Richards. Yeah. <laughs> that would be like my wife loves Cliff Richards, so that'd be her really? influence. I, th- oh. I, th- I th- Baby Shark was in there definitely, and then there was right. there was like I for some reason I listened to a lot of Green Day and the Fratellis this year for some reason so oh, they were I up love there. The Fratellis, excellent. Yes, I've just got sort of back in, and then like John Fratelli's solo album, and so I just got back into mm. them during the summer. And then it was Baby Shark, I think. Then it was like kids nursery, kids play time nursery rhymes, and then it was Alan Stivell, the Irish artist, <laughs> because that's what Linda had been listening to. <laughs> so real mix that I did not want to share on my Twitter. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> No, certainly. Um, can I ask a question to... about? Um, can I ask a question about uh, textures? Because you mentioned it there yes. with uh, the painting, and I think that's often something overlooked with with painting because texture mm-hmm. is such a sort of big part of it. I went to go and see a, I think it was Gerhard Richter exhibition years ago, like when mm-hmm. I was living in London, literally about a decade ago, and I was like so struck. He does these huge canvases and 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 of or like bright colours, but he did loads that are like the texture is really important. And you can you can see with mm. the paint he's used, you can see the textures and what he's tried to do with it. And I went home and tried to do my own ones, and they were they yes. were nowhere near as good. But it was so fun playing with the yeah. texture as well as the colour. And I just think that's sort of mm. I was struck by you talking about that because I think that is often a part maybe overlooked when it comes to yeah, creating I think so. paintings. Yeah, when you like Google works, it's probably quite compressed, the images, and they seem quite flat. And I think the interesting thing about when you go to a gallery is that you do get to experience, you can kind of um, witness the oils and, and the brush yeah. strokes. And sometimes um, artists will use mediums like gel mediums or um, sometimes maybe like one thing I'm really enjoying at the minute is um, there's a medium with sand in it. Um, so I've oh, been mixing cool. that into my work. Yes, it's, it is very textured. Um, and then there's like a, there's one that I use. It's like a heavy bodied kind of medium that I've been added to, adding to my paint so I can create peaks. Um, yeah. So I've been enjoying that too. And then I had a crit last week, um, which was really nice with my, with my um, painting. So I'm doing, I didn't mention this at any point during this podcast and I should have done. <laughs> I'm doing my master's at the minute at the Royal College of Art. And um, I had my very right. first trip session um with my peers and um I presented a triptych um and this is the first time I've ever done a crit with my paintings because when I did illustration um number one uh, my, the, the crits that I did in my first year were illustrations so that was fine um and then the, the crits that I did in my second year I didn't turn up to them <laughs> and then yeah. in the third in the third year like again I didn't really turn up to them because you know I just I didn't really have to uh because they were they kind of, they were kind of like paintings or whatever but um you know this is the first time that that I presented like my actual canvas paintings to to other painters and and especially at the RCA I just felt very like oh gosh this is quite scary yeah. um but one one element that was really nice was first of all people were audio describing their work to me so that I had an understanding of what what they were presenting to to us as a group yeah, before we then cool. kind of had yeah before we then had a discussion and could critique the work yeah. that they were, were making and could kind of have some kind of feedback to give um, but equally one of the um things that we were inviting each other to do was to touch each other's work um so that I could get an idea of the scale and, and also sort of the, the materials that they've used because some people were really um you know quite 
um, creative and were, were using fabric in, on their canvas, which was wonderful. Um, but then at the end, I was one of the last people to present my work and, and everyone was like, can we feel yours, please? And I said, absolutely. Like, you know, having that yeah. participation to, to feel how I how I have involved myself into my work because I'm quite um, performative I would say like I'm I am a performance how I respond to music but how I'm responding to to a mood or in a life experience it, it does become quite gestural and yeah. um, I want people to kind of feel that almost like a roadmap in a way and to understand mm. how I've kind of um, how I've yeah I've gone across the canvas and to kind of reenact that almost that kind of participatory invitation um and hopefully they they kind of did feel those brush strokes and those mediums the gel mediums and the sand um but equally could also see it um but yeah I think that is like you say it's an overlooked thing within the art world is sort of the, the texture and to kind of understand that a lot more um, because That's, often it is just sort of it is just the seeing but to yeah. kind of feel it to feel it emotionally too like it is mm. a very powerful um you know like I'm reading a text at the minute for a lecture that we'll be doing on Friday um and it's called the love of painting and she often talks about this overwhelming feeling of love for the medium but also kind of the emotions yeah. that we have around painting the love that we have for actually painting um, and she describes painting and love as being mm. like two sisters. And like, I really loved that. I thought that mm. was really beautiful. It's really lovely. And I, I was also thinking yeah. earlier, like how you incorporate your other senses when you're, you know, through touch and sound, obviously mm. the music and stuff is, you know, yes. and obviously you're like you're saying, it's becoming performative when yeah. you're actually, you know, mm. you're expressing yourself through your work. Yeah. That, that's really amazing, I think, and um, very powerful to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it's very engaging. Um, yeah, like capitalizing on all of your other senses. Yeah. Very intuitive. Yeah, it's, it it doesn't become about anything to do with your sight anymore. It's everything else, and I think that that's you know why I do keep going back to it. I've turned it into something completely different where I can where I can immerse. Like it is very immersive, and um, you know it isn't about sight anymore. It's just become this you know other activity where it's. Um, it's very accessible to me I've made it so um, and that's why you know I love it as much as I do and again that's yeah. that kind of fe those feelings of love are, are, and, and admiration are attached to it and those, those yeah. all those positive feelings um, that I didn't have with illustration at the end it, that kind of felt right. like I was lo locked out of it a little bit and mm. it's really I can really hear that coming through in your voice the way you talk about mm. it and and it's really powerful to hear that and amazing that you found that love and admiration and I think everyone listening who has that thing they love as well I think can certainly relate to that this you know this whether it's creative or not it's something that sort of drives you and you will have a love for it I think that's really really nice way to put it this admiration for whatever it is that's your thing but all i can think about now is i just want to go to a gallery and touch loads of paintings yeah because <laughs> it isn't it's an like it's just it's another level of appreciating the art like and i, under I understand why i understand why we can't i, I you know yes. oils in our fingers and stuff. i get i get why i can't go to the tate and just start touching everything i get it mm. but i think that's a really it's a, it's another layer to appreciating the art and i, and I think is. that's really 
it's really really fascinating and and mm-hmm. like you said it becomes a roadmap for the artists and you could probably almost sort of feel the journey they made. i just think it's fantastic and mm-hmm. I just, yeah i really want to go and touch some art now but uh, <laughs> i'm going to be banned from every gallery in london i think <laughs> Well, Kimberly, it's been such a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing your incredible story. And, you know, I know there's been some, obviously, some very challenging times and we really appreciate you being so open about those things. And, um, you know, obviously, we wish you all the best for the future. Your, you know, your master's. When when do you complete that? Are you quite early doors into that? Um, Yes. So, first of all, thank you very much for having me. It's been wonderful to speak with you um yeah honestly like you're both so wonderful and um this doesn't it just felt like I was talking to two friends um oh, and amazing. um I I graduate in the summer it's just yeah okay. it's just a year yeah a oh. year master's yeah well it's incredible that you're doing it like you know and you know keep being proud of yourself because you're doing amazing yeah. stuff and your artwork Thank is you. absolutely unbelievable it's really uh, it's, it's yeah i mean and i'm not just saying that i'm not blowing smoke at your ass. <laughs> it is very very good like you know it's incredible well it's so, really i'll say to Giles, I it's really like up my street in terms of the sort of stuff that i like it's it's absolutely mm. and and completely up my street and, and i'm just really excited to see what you do next like Thank I think you, you know uh, that's that, that that's sort of the emotion I have. I'm really excited to see because I think you're. I mean, I actually made some notes. I don't often make notes, but I've written resilience. I think mm. you're a really resilient person, and that's really come across in everything you've said today. And I think that's just it's a wonderful quality. Um, yeah, and I'm really excited to see what you do next. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Kimberly. Take care of yourself, and um, yeah, you. look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you very much. Kimberly Burrows on the Blank Podcast there. What an inspiring person. What an incredible story. Uh, and and what a talented, talented person. Um, just, I, I really, really enjoyed talking to her. And, and, and I really, really came away from that feeling so inspired and 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 just, um, I just love looking at her art as well. It really is uh, the sort of art that I like. It really mm. is sort of right up my street. Um and so yeah i just i just think she's fantastic and i sort of come away and i think we said it right at the end i may have said it off air actually but really excited about what's next for her yeah you know and and what she will do next because she's clearly so talented and she had so many knockbacks of things all her traumas in her life and the things that might be happening and then aren't happening and i I just feel like she is someone who is destined to to only get better and better and 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 go further and further and and she's so resilient as a person Mm. as well which i think i said at the end there as well so um yeah i just yeah, now and then we, these episodes come along that 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 really are quite inspiring and almost sort of knock you for six a little bit, don't mm. they? And I think this was this was one today. So uh, yeah, fantastic person, incredibly talented, and and we really, really, really thank her for opening up with her her story and her journey on on the pod today. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. I could um, echo all those words, and yeah, I think you're right. Resilience. This was a story. This is a story of resilience, and it was a podcast that yeah. echoed that resilience. And uh, the bit that really got me. Um, was when she said she was proud of herself, and I thought, you know, yeah. I mean that that's something yeah. we could we can all take away from. Sometimes be a bit, a little bit more proud of ourselves in those yeah. moments when we do well. And uh, yeah, she should be so 
fucking proud of herself because she's done an yeah. amazing thing. So, yeah, that really got me that bit. But, uh, yeah, really grateful for Kimberly coming on and uh, speaking to us today. So, yeah, another great episode. Great episode. Yeah. And then she was sort of saying about, you know, if you find what you find, what you love, just do it, you know, and I think that's, that's so true. Mm. And, and, and she did it and it's, you know, it's always been, it's been life changing really, but I think that's true of, of everyone really finding your thing and, and, and you just do it and you don't know where it will lead. Um, well, and so, also yeah. the power of creativity, the power of art, music, yep. acting, you know, performance, whatever, comedy, Whatever it might be yeah. that you do, how healing that can be in those moments when it's very dark. And obviously for her, art was was an escape and was something that, yeah, saved her. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, I think she said at one point that it, it, it's it it can it literally changes the brain cells, doesn't it? When yeah. you're doing something enjoyable. And that's that is the power of, of creativity. So yeah. I mean, not that it takes much for you and I to obviously champion creativity on this podcast but i think if you ever needed an example i think you know this week is that so brilliant kim kimberly thank you so much for um for joining us on the pod really 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 appreciate it what an episode giles yeah we're so lucky aren't we we get to talk to these inspiring people and like you say it gives you time to reflect on what you're doing and you know how lucky you are in your particular field or yeah. you know, whatever yeah. you're doing or or even like kind of push you to be a bit more um resilient about what you're doing and actually believe in yourself a bit more i think those are real big takeaways yeah. for me today definitely it's interesting to say about reflecting i want i i i so often i mean i have the ca we record in the cabin so often mm. I, have to, I have to walk it's a 20 second walk back to my house so often on that little walk back i'm often reflecting on the pod and things that have come up and i wonder if our listeners do the same i've been mm. intrigued to hear from our listeners whether you have moments of reflection on the pod maybe you're out walking the dog or, or or whatever and yeah how does the you know how do the episodes impact your life i'd be interested to hear that we now and then people do tweet us when inspiration is struck but i think this week could be a particularly inspiring one so do let us know do you have moments of reflection after the pod how do you do you do do you listen to the pod mm. in bite-sized chunks throughout the week you know do you find actually you listen to it a little bit yeah, throughout what, the week and that helps you consume it i mean i'm interested mm, what are those little takeaways that you have from it because there's so many that i have every week there's something yeah. you know even if it's just one thing most is often multiple things but yeah um it does sort of lend itself to personal growth for me and self-development so yeah yeah hopefully and there's always something same. yeah yeah absolutely so if you if you if you'd like to let us know, get in contact. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're all, we're on there, of course, and it's all the same handle, which mm. makes life easier. It's what's it called? Blank Pod. <laughs> That's the one. Only 108, 108 episodes now. Uh, at Blank Pod. Uh, so yeah, we'd love to we'd love to hear from you and let us know how the pod, uh, impacts your life. I guess. Um, because that was an impactful episode, wasn't it? It was. Blimey, that was that was that was really really inspiring um what a person what a person just yeah incredible anyway giles i'm gonna go back uh through the trudge through the snow and, yeah uh, back to my house and try and warm Wait, up you're like you're, frozen you're in a cabin in the snow it's like you're in like the a hallmark movie the upper hebrides or something <laughs> no, i'm in a hallmark movie and I'm, I'm waiting for someone from the big city to come along and i'm gonna change the way right. they feel about the countryside i want to share something with you today that i saw about hallmark movies <laughs> okay <laughs> someone tweeted and i thought this i thought you'd like this uh it's crystal lowry she's a comedian and she's put i watched a hallmark movie backwards 
<laughs> a woman in an ugly Christmas sweater dumped her loser small town boyfriend to pursue a law career <laughs> in New York City, where she lived happily ever after in pencil skirts and amazing shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something similar where it was like... Um... Yeah, it's something similar where someone realizes they hate the countryside, moves to the big city, and realizes they hate Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I quite man. like the idea of the Hallmark movies in reverse. Maybe they someone yeah. should make one. Someone's definitely got to make. Someone will. Someone's got to make. Yeah, that, I've I've been subjected that. to a few this week. I have to admit, and they've all been shit. <laughs> That's the point. That's exactly how they should be. <laughs> oh man, cool. Right, I think it's time to wrap up. We'll be back next week. With another episode uh, on the Blank Podcast, mm-hmm. uh, but until then, um, goodbye. Stay safe, mate. I was about to say, I was about to say, you know, mind the snow, Charles, but you haven't got any. No, so just no. just have a nice week. Just I guess. say, mind, mind, mind the nice dry paths. <laughs> mind the slightly cold air, I guess. Yeah, I it's slightly yeah. cold. Yeah, so yeah, wrap up a little okay. bit more than normal. Okay. Well, I'm going to wrap up massively because yeah. it's very cold here. Yeah, good luck in the um, torrential snow and blizzards wherever you are this week maybe yeah. you're someone who, like giles who's got nothing or you're someone like me who's you know got everything six six feet of snow <laughs> wherever you are take care hope you enjoyed this week's episode we'll be back next week have a good week and uh we'll see you again soon bye